Hello, and welcome to the first installment of Bedlam Social Hour, a D&D conversation. Here we intend to discuss various topics relating to D&D in general, with the occasional specifics that pertain to our group and the story we're telling in our podcast proper. During this time, Mark proposes the question of our origins concerning tabletop gaming, and then we address a question posed by one of our dedicated listeners. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. So what got you into playing tabletop gaming? Um, getting out of prison. I didn't want to go back anymore, so I, I needed to completely change all my habits, so I bought a, a little box of those uh, Warhammer models and put those together and got the stuff to paint them, and it, it took me like 60 hours to paint them. I'm like, yeah, this will do it. Yeah. <laughs> I've never played Warhammer. It's great. Yeah. Well, the nerds do got, that. Got pretty wild. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I call it playing with my man dolls, so it's about as nerdy as it gets. You call that or your wife calls it that? Both of us. <laughs> it's it's accurate for sure. What got you into gaming, Matt? Oh, just always interested in it. Um, I don't know, just something else to do. Besides the regular routine of drinking heavily every Friday and Saturday night. So Something like a routine there, or like a, a reoccurring theme there, it seems like. What about you, Mark? Oh, thank you for asking. I was uh, really waiting for somebody to do that. Uh, I don't know, actually. Um, I would say boredom. I, I started listening to podcasts of Tabletop. Um, I started out listening to a podcast called Glass Cannon uh, Podcast, and they do Pathfinder. So I got really into that. And Pathfinder D&D? Well, Pathfinder is not... It's, it's similar. It's similar to D&D, yeah. Um, I guess it meant like role-playing or the card game? Oh, role-playing. Um, yeah, so, it's, yeah, role-playing. Can't remember which which thing they, they played. But then I found Critical Role, which mm-hmm. led me to D&D. So then, yeah, and if I found this this table. Then you walk through my house and saw a bunch of books on my desk. And <laughs> Legitimately, yeah, yeah. Measuring your house <laughs> to do some work here and saw a bunch of books. And then a couple months later, uh, ran into your wife doing some work again through some clients. And she mentioned D&D, and so we brought it up, and she's like, well, I'll put you in touch, and a few emails later. There's a reason we refer to her as the talent scout, because <laughs> every single one of you are here because of her, more or less. More or less, yeah. Because yeah, you too. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Maybe this is more her thing than your thing. Maybe. Yeah. The original founder, Jen Clegg. This is the only table I've played at, too. Have you played at other tables, Matt? No, I sat in on two others and just watched to see what it was like. This is the first one, first group of people I played with. Carrie? Uh, well, I've been freshman year of high school, sat down at a table, and a senior who had claimed me as one of her freshmen started doing a uh, strict role-play D&D, real-world X-Men style. And then that just kind of evolved. By the time I got to college, we were doing actual runs, full size with everything, you know, in the basement, all the Mountain Dew and snacks. Stereotypes. And, like, all the Mountain Dew and stereotypes you can yeah. that's, that's LARPing? <laughs> like the, 
the proper classic D&D gaming you think of. And then I stopped I for a while. the darkness. <laughs> and then Dan wanted to start up again, so here I am. Here we are. Do you say your name in the intro or anywhere in, have you ever said your name? I have my name in uh, the show notes of if there's a, a narrative or, you know, the little audio drama or whatever. But no, I don't think I've ever said it out loud in the podcast. Okay. I don't know if there's an actual reason for that or just... I just, yeah, I just noticed it. Not trying to hide. It's like recognition should be where it's at, right? Start up again. Did you play before? I'm trying to remember. I was wondering if it would come back around to me. So when I was early 20s, I was just like with the surrounding people i'm like hey we should do this and they're like eh. I'm like okay whatever and then we found a few friends were just like oh yeah that'd be fun i'm like all right well who's gonna dm okay i guess it's gonna be me insert cricket noise yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. nobody raises their hand like oh, crap yeah. it's me so we did it and maybe ran two games and then it fell away and then fast forward i don't know five or six seven years and i was in portland and made some friends with some nerdy types and they're just like hey we should we should run a game i'm like okay well, yeah that'd be fun who's gonna dm crickets <laughs> <laughs> all right i'll go i'll go for it and that went two or three games and that was it and then i played in a game for four or five games and then that fell through like it does and then fast forward i don't know however many years and i was I think I was working with a kid who got to talking about it, and he was just like, we should start a game. And I'm like, okay, who's going to DM? Three crickets this time. <laughs> like, all right, but he was excited about it. We got to talking about battle maps and this, that, and you know how cool it would be and how much it would take to put a projector on the ceiling and shoot it down at the table and you know shoot it down on a whiteboard and you can mark it up and whatever. And so I kind of deep-dived into what that would take. We found a cheap projector, and I've had a copy of an older copy of photoshop that i started looked at some tutorials and saw what it would take and then you know we threw, threw a group together and were you part of that original group carrie you and i have been playing since the okay, original yeah i was gonna say the it's o- been you and i the og <laughs> since we were in the kitchen at the football streets house 2013 still rocking <laughs> sometimes people are like hey you want to join our campaign and i'm like hey no. Yeah, so then we did it for a while, and then we didn't. And it was kind of, you know, it's just it was scheduling is always the greatest hurdle, the greatest opponent of D&D campaigns. I don't know what made me decide to start up again. It never really stopped. It just kind of hit a waylay for a minute. And then we traded off a little while. We had another guy that was running a traveler campaign. So we'd go every other time. I don't know. It kind of tapered off. And then there, there was a point where I decided, like, I this is something that I value. And, you know, I've told you all, I've decided to, this is my primary avocation and this is going to be my hobby. Yeah, I decided to be picky about who gets to play with me. And here we are. And we found a great group of people that were willing to commit and look where we are now. It definitely seems much different than when I joined your setup. Yeah. Uh, no, so you, you hear the stories about, especially some of the podcasts I listen to, these guys are just like, it's like, oh, I've been do, do, doing this, I've been playing t- tabletops for 40 years, 40, 50 years, and this, whatever, and I'm, you know, I'm now old enough to have been playing for not 40 years, but, you know, 30, 35, if I had started when I was young, but nope, it's just always been hit or miss, hit or miss, and then this, like you said, this is the first table that you've, that you two have played at, and this is really the first consistent one that I've ever experienced, and... Partially, I get to force the consistency, so that's I get to have some control in that. 
pretty awesome. Yeah, it really is. Did you ever play any type of tabletop games other than D&D? &D is this just the... Just that Traveler game. But all role-playing? Well, I guess if you're classifying as, you know, but role-playing, further define your question. Like, I remember back in the day, there were games like Hero Quest and Battle Masters and stuff that came out when we were younger. Oh, yeah. I didn't know if you ever hopped in on any of those. Not really. It was more standard. As far as what goes on the tabletop, uh, Axis and Allies was the biggest kind of outside-of-the-norm tabletop thing. It's the only game I've ever seen somebody do a table flip at. Axis and Allies? Yeah. Which is a terrible game for somebody to do It is. That. There's like hundreds of pieces. <laughs> yeah, well, that's Axis and Allies, just risk on steroids. Yeah. yeah. Peyton. What got you into playing D&D? Or tabletop in general. <clears throat> it was a... Uh, every year at school we have a... They called it a Pride Day where it was like Tiger Pride and stuff like that. And I so, bet it meant something different than what it means today. Yeah. <laughs> it was like school pride and being proud to be from school. And this one year they did something a little different because most of the day we just would clean around the school. Like we'd go clean the weight room or we'd go clean up at the field. But this year they divided it the day in half. And the first half of the day was more activities you could sign up to go do. And our computer teacher had a D&D &D one we could go do. And so me and a bunch of friends signed up for it. And then we kind of rolled into making it a club at school, Dungeons and Dragons Club. And then I kind of had to back away from that. And then here I am. Here you are. Yep. Then you met my wife and it was all over but the crying. And you guys don't have any LARPing or anything like that? Nothing seriously. I, I've built the equipment and we've beat each other up. But uh, I mean, <laughs> I cosplay. <laughs> yeah, I've hit some friends with sticks before, but never under the guise of a theme. Never got past just the making the sword. And we're like, hey, we're good to go. Like, <laughs> uh, Yeah, we ran a, essentially a LARPing club at Canyon Lake park every weekend forever and we'd have like 40 people there my buddy and i had we had gotten pretty drunk one night and we had some nerf swords that we were fighting with and we broke one and i don't know if you've ever broken a nerf sword but it becomes the most dangerous thing in the planet <laughs> like you could kill a horse with a broken nerf sword and uh, uh, when we sobered up we just realized that it wasn't very fair that there was no good toys for grown people to play with so we started a quest on learning how to make really awesome swords that, you know, grown dudes could beat each other up with because we'd always fought with, like, sticks and stuff when we were young. And so we came up with a really good product, and so we started a little toy company called Bad Sons Toys for a short while, and we went and did a, a festival, and turns out we're just not salesmen at all. We had an awesome product, but we just wanted to play with everybody, so there was like 40 people at this festival just running around beating each other with these swords because we were just letting everybody try it out. And then we just started taking a truckload of vehicles to, or a truckload of swords to the park every Sunday, and then just me and my couple friends would fight, and then anybody that showed up that was like, oh, what are you guys doing? We'd just throw swords at them. These are our rules! And then it was just this huge melee. Every Sunday we would go for hours and hours, and I don't know, we stopped when I had the kids so much it was hard to get everything lined up for that but man super rad we still have a facebook page where everybody's like you guys coming when are we doing this again what's going on because it was awesome as everybody from like you know six-year-old kids to, to 
for adults and I mean, all kinds of neat weapons like bows and all kinds of crazy shit. It was fun. But that's why we have so many foam weapons. Yeah, I've got a couple of them and my kids love them and they're super fun to play with. I love them. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, two or three times, you know, Percy's come over to the house and it's like, well, here's 20 foam swords. You can just keep them here. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, as long as we're in this mode and it's still a little early, I am going to spring a question on you all without warning. Bring it. So this question is from our arguably number one fan, Morgan. Shout out, Morgan. Her first question is, it's going to be to each player, but she wants to know, what is your process for getting in the zone before playing? Honestly, I don't remember how we started things, but from whatever point you started recording things, being able to listen to it the day before or the day of really just brings everything back and puts it into place mm-hmm. i don't really lose the swing of things as much like as as far as like playing a D campaign before you know biggest. we had that big gap you know with scheduling even if it was two weeks you're just like oh, okay what did we where did we leave off and what, about, what were we doing here it's, well there for a while we had the transcript too but but having that record makes it so that i really don't have to think about it i might be inferring uh, some meaning in that question too but i think part of it too and i'm just kind of going off some of the conversations her and i have had is there anything that you do to get into the grum mentality um this probably sounds pretty stupid um but every other D campaign that i've ever really played on has always been very players versus the the dm and not players with the dm so when i get to play with you i'm not concerned about like i don't care how far we go in a day i don't care if we find the big bad i just want to see what's going to happen for these people for the day so i just i don't know i just concentrated on thinking whatever the hell he would want to do because he's yeah it's fun to just get to play and not have to feel rushed about anything and not have to feel like you know there's somebody against us because we're just making a story together and that's pretty damn cool i mean we are technically on a time frame (laughs) no no that's just what's going to happen on that time frame (laughs) well grom seeks a glorious death anyway so he's ready maybe he'll live that long all right let's kick that question over to we'll just go around the table mark yeah um i mean really it's kind of copying the answer but being able to listen the day before and i i honestly don't remember a time that i wasn't able to listen before i think there's always since i've been at the table it's always had a recording and i could there might be in like one or two sessions that didn't but that really helps me and i didn't i didn't talk in an accent or any kind of voice in those sessions either so i guess finding brax is really just saying all right a bunch like Matthew McConaughey kind of not like but and then just yeah um and then just let's go like because that's that is just like his attitude is just let's go full bore so if I just so just like having a a driving principle for how you want to run him and yeah and what his philosophies are and just letting that carry it forward I feel back when you decided to to voice that game with the accent I did notice that there's kind of you almost read yourself into the accent. Yeah. You know, oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, jeez, jeez. Oh, oh, man. Jeez. Yeah. Which, that <laughs> is something that I, you may have read that or somewhere or whatever or, or seen it or just stumbled upon it, but that is a big thing. Like, if you are doing an accent, the things that kind of teach you how to do an accent better is to have have a lead-in phrase that will help you step into that accent. And so that is something that voice actors do and have in their arsenal to move into that, and, you know, and even if it's in your mind. I can see that. I feel like I have one on accident, but yeah, I think that totally helps. Yeah, I think even like with Lat Gain, if the OG, he was very not like super confident in what he was doing, whereas uh, Brax is 
let's go you know and so it's like very confident even though he doesn't know what he's doing he's just <laughs> very confident <laughs> the fates are gonna make this yeah. one as exhibited on him hooking up a cart to a giant goat sure, yeah <laughs> like, that's exactly i don't even know what's going on here man what do you mean it broke there's no way it broke i'm leaving you matt any insight well just like percy and mark said it's listen to the episode and then the day of or day before but also just kind of thinking about uh, how your character is going to play the night of and then this is obviously the first group of people I've ever played D&D with so I'm kind of learning off all my teammates and the DM and just trying to just get it all down it's it's huge learning curve <laughs> for someone new do you have like a guiding philosophy for Valril or like what he's trying to accomplish in his life oh uh, well probably try to keep uh Brax from hurting himself <laughs> but no uh it just he's I think more of a a person likes to have people around him, good friends, and then we'll just uh, die in battle for him. He kind of seems like my brother's keeper kind of guy. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I envision him as we're playing is he's going to look out for everybody and just make sure things are going right. I feel like the more things that you can decide, like how they'll approach the world or what they're scared of or what they're afraid will happen in the world, really makes it easy to jump into that yeah well i kind of had a little bit of an epiphany on my road of trying to figure out how to dm and i used to get all concerned okay so here comes the party they're going to meet this npc and what if the party does this and what if the party does this and you know if there's 10 different things this party's going to do then i need to plan for every single caveat of that and then i'm not quite sure what clicked but i realized that in preparing the world i don't get to just focus on one person you know i have actually looked at my little NPC Photoshop <laughs> file where I just have each layer is, is a token that I make. I was making some tokens today. I'm up to 230. There's like 230 NPCs. Anyway, in order to not just be overwhelmed with analysis paralysis is I learned that if you find that person's motivation and like what they're focused on and what they're about right then, then it's easy. And the example I use is because, you know, here the party was coming into the city and here's a bunch of refugees that were pouring into the city because this impending demon invasion and this, that, and the other. And so the party comes at this sergeant, lieutenant, whatever, the military guy that's in charge of dealing with all these refugees. And here comes the party with like, okay, so here's what we're trying to do and here's what we need from you. And, you know, can you do this for us and whatever? And I'm just imagining, I'm like, here's this guy that has thousands of refugees coming into his city. And here's these group of ne'er-do-wells popping up and making demands and acting like they're the center of the universe <laughs> i what what do, you, what do you need like no i'm no i'm focused on this are, are you here to help me or not and the interaction went that uh you know they, they got kind of the information they came for but i didn't have to worry about which path the adventurers were going to take because i understood where this guy's coming from that kind of piggybacks off of you know what you three said or just like if you can establish these guiding principles or just motivations you know it's it's always the joke this the actors like what's my motivation but that's true i mean if if you can find your character's motivation then it gets a lot easier i feel you there it's fun to see it change as well or at least from our end i figure your character is always well with the exception of a couple many of them are such single serving Mm -hmm. you know that they don't really get to grow over time but some of them really get to evolve and as our characters get to evolve i think it's been super fun to see how everything just shifts because i would have made grom i didn't know really what i wanted him to be or do but he's completely different than what my original idea had been because as far as i was concerned everything that he had known and loved had died 
And so he was just kind of looking for this glorious death so he could, you know, kind of reunite. But It's cool to see it morph, too, because I've noticed over the time with Grom in this particular case is that there was not a, no, I'm taking this guy in this completely different direction, no. Yes, he's completely different than when he started, but I think he did a pretty good job of easing it that direction rather than being like making a decision and having a hard change. Hmm. It's been fluid. Well, yeah, it's been rad. Like, I got family again. I just hadn't expected it. Yeah. So, so now he's kind of torn on how he wants to handle that. But he doesn't want to feel like a little bitch because he made the Slayer oath. <laughs> <laughs> he took an oath. Damn it. Peyton, do you have any insight into how you get into your headspace? Uh, I kind of do what Matt, Mark, and Percy do, except <laughs> I take it a step further by I start the Monday before and I started episode one. And I re-listened through the entirety of it. You are such a gangster. Just <laughs> <a> show off. <laughs> I think uh, I think Mirmalnir just uh, leveled up. I'm not quite sure that happened. <laughs> it's going to be hard to get around these gauntlets of ogre strength you found. <laughs> I think he's trying to take your job, Dan. <laughs> and uh, like it helps me start to think. Okay, I feel like that would kind of afford you a, a perspective of the journey rather than just where you are in the moment in the or last session or whatever. Yeah, it gives me an idea of how I started. Like, I started off, my God is great. I'm going to do what I need to do to help him. And now I am, I need to kill this God. <laughs> yeah, you took a pretty big swing there. Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about it? Yeah, you can blame me a little bit for that. All hail Kusodras. Where is this? I'm going to kill him. And through the week, I start thinking more and more, okay, this is... What are my next steps, and what is my current goal compared to the party's goal, and how do I go about it, I guess? I went back and listened to a couple earlier ones just because I was caught up on my podcasts, and I was driving for work, so I was in the truck for a while, and I was just like, oh, I'll go back and listen to that one. I listened to, so two and three, the new experiences, and uh, the Barbarian's Errand. and The luckiest dice ever, you mean? That's what that mission should have been called? <laughs> I don't know, even being as close to it as I am, I pick up new stuff every time. But I really thought, listening to those for that first two and three, that, you know, with the exception of some editing things, so we got a good story, guys. I'm proud of y'all. Well, it's been a pretty good time. It's interesting that you think you have your personal goals versus the party's goals. <laughs> because we're with you, big guy. <laughs> we'll be right there beside you. Our goals are your goals. Plus, after seeing how you dealt with that little spider, we know you're going to need some help. All right, Carrie, do you have any insight on that question? Gee, I think everyone pretty much said it. I go back and listen to the last session just to kind of get myself back into the mind space, uh, remind myself of my character's, you know, bonds and their ambitions and what they're looking for, and... uh just kind of jump into it. I think that goes a little bit back to kind of what I was saying about, you know, rather than focus on specifics, if you can get yourself in a mindset, then the specifics just come. Part of it too is knowing your character. Mm -hmm. And you do have to internalize your specifics a little bit, but overall, it's just the, what's my motivation? This has been Bedlam Social Hour, a D&D conversation. Thanks for joining us for our little chat. And remember, as always, work hard and be kind.